Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. Episode 56. And you may be wondering why we haven't been on the air for so long. Well, that's partly true. But also, if you missed our live draft episode that we do yearly, we had a lot of fun on that breaking down. Did Connor win? I feel like Connor. Or did we have a tie? I can't remember. We tied. We tied. Sam and I tied. Oh, that's right. Sam almost had the comeback, I think. And technically, I got more harder picks right at the end. So they should probably carry more weight. What? I, I don't buy that one. Or as you can see, we forward. I still got the belt. I still got the belt. Well, as you can hear, we have a full house tonight, Connor and Sam. Connor, how are you? I mean, I was doing okay until Sam started shitting on me that he 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 won when we tied. Clearly, <laughs> we tied. Look at the scoreboard, bro. We don't tie. I did get what some 22 odd picks or something like that rock in a row i think I, <laughs> oh, had yeah. I, I had my correct ones all in like the top eight i think um i mean i guess i could just pull it up here i mean you my, my last correct one yeah my last correct one was 10 and your last correct one somehow you got Devonte wyatt to green bay at 28 yeah I, diligent I, research I right sam yeah yeah. But anyway, whoever the GM is in Green Bay was like, hey, what's the pick? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. What are you sipping anyway. on over there? Sparkling water like me or no? <laughs> no, no, I don't have sparkling water. <laughs> um, I, I, I made myself a Manhattan tonight because it's been a little while and I'm excited mm. to record with you guys and, and talk with you guys a little bit tonight and talk about our football teams, you know? Yes. All of them. Football included. Football. So, ooh, yeah, me loves me love some football. Samuel, you don't you probably don't have sparkling water. There's no way in hell. So, what do you got over there? I got myself some fire water. Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, oldest company in North America. Maybe. I don't know for that a second. That could be false. Don't quote me on that. But I'm. I'm <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I know that the, I know that the company's older than the United States of America, so that's cool. Mm. For a second there, I thought you were gonna say fireball. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, fireball no. is not bad. <laughs> it's probably it's probably not late enough, and we haven't got as enough heated. We're not talking about uh, Connor and I are not debating Russell Wilson, so there's no like. Yeah. And this is probably not a hot enough topic to. Which is going to come up earlier in the year than we anticipated. Well, we have not talked about <laughs> schedule release, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. If you haven't heard, Seahawks are hosting Russell Wilson and the Broncos week one. Monday night football. <laughs> it's going to be pretty. NFL's insane. like, fuck you, Seattle. To totally go off on a tangent, just real quick, I want to ask you, do you think he's going to get. We don't more- do that here. We don't do that here. Right. Sorry. We're so on schedule here on this podcast. Are we going to hear a lot of boo, more boos or more cheers for Russell Wilson by whenever September 11th, 12th, when this comes out? I really I think it's going to be know. really mixed. I think it's going to be really, really mixed. I think um, that's the exciting thing. Yeah. Like I, no. I, th- I don't know what I would do. What would you do? 
My gut, my gut says cheers. I'd clap. I'd clap. I'd clap. I'd clap. I, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't. Cheer. I wouldn't go woo woo woo. You know. Yeah. So Griffey coming back to town. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, no, different. but it's also just like the way that he left, you know, and what he's done since is <laughs> like. And it, I mean the 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 position that he put in the, the team in too, like yeah, going into the trade as well. Like it, it's just it's a little bit more sour feeling than anything that happened around Griffey. You'd imagine though that the Seahawks would do some sort of tribute video. If not, they're gonna look like classless, you know. Given what other I hope, start, I hope it's like a twenty-second video. <laughs> yeah, but they're gonna have. There's no way, and it's gonna look so They'll disrespectful probably do something. if they don't do something. Yeah, they'll probably do something, and then and then the crowd will cheer. Like right, and that's what I'm thinking. It's gonna be hard. Oh man, if they do a tribute video and he runs out and his booze, oh man, that would be oof. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe we're not Philly though. I feel like Seattle people are just going to be ah, passive. The 12s are different. Uh, yeah, this is true. We might know. have more I... real 12s at the stadium now that it might be going through some hardship this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you all have the 12th man at the stadium. Oh, right. We're, yeah. The Texas A. Oh, we'll cover Texas A&M later this episode, by the Jimbo. way. Jimbo. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Related. Firewater. Somebody took <laughs> water this morning. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, that was entertaining for sure. I, I, I've gone back and forth which side, but we'll cover that later. But first, guys, I don't think we can start anywhere else besides talking football. And that's well, kind of crazy. You, that we're you gonna... sipping on? To celebrate oh, this monumental Sounders victory, you got to be sipping on more than some H2O, please. For sure. We have special H2O. We got lime LaCroix flavor going on right now. And we also, Sam looks like he's just bewildered. I thought I saw a Mac and Jack. And we also have a Mac and Jack African Amber. So we have, okay. uh, it's like, you know, like, the, you know, the boo and cheer thing we were just talking about. Like yeah. I was about to do the former and then, yeah, I mean. And now we have a now. respectable clap happening. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're, you're pretty much Russell Wilson right now. <laughs> Great. Oh man. What to do with my Jersey, but there's nowhere else to start <laughs> besides the Sounders CONCACAF champions league championship where they hosted mexican side why am i blanking oh my god Pumas. pumas that's right um it's basically a university team for those of you that don't know mexican soccer which is really weird we can get into that but they won three nil guys over a mexican side which is really really hard to do and not and this is after they went there and tied two to two at last minute draw so I would love to, you know, I could sit here and talk your ear off about soccer, but I would love to understand from your guys' perspective how how you felt after this game, how you felt watching this game, the crowd, the energy, and where this ranks for you guys as far as like Seattle sports moments. Because for me, just to tease it out, this is one of the best of my lifetime, honestly. So Connor, I'll go over to you first. What are your, what are your overall thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to you guys before the podcast that in my mind, as far as accomplishments go, this is without a doubt a top three moment in Seattle sports history. Some may scoff at that because it's the Sounders, but it's a big statement. If you're talking, if you're yeah. talking about, it's an international tournament at, at, that you get, you qualify now for the Club World Cup, which only seven teams qualify for. Mm-hmm. 
in the current state right. of of that tournament. So you're talking about, you're, I mean, you're not like a top seven team in the world or anything like that, but you're the best team in your region. Your continent. You know? Correct. Yeah. Which, yeah, region is continent in this, yeah. in this perspective. But I mean, it, 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 it's for me, it's the, it's the Super Bowl, it's the Sonics championship, and it's this like, like those are the three top Seattle sports moments in my mind. And you can talk, talk all you want about like the double and stuff like with the Mariners or even like some of the NFC championship games with, with the Seahawks. Um, even the like, Huskies. I mean, even, even the Huskies. Yeah. I was going to say like in 92 and stuff like that, but like that was kind of, I mean, that was a split championship, right? So it wasn't oh, okay. It Sam <laughs> on paper, it's a split championship. It's a national championship, but it's a split championship. I don't like that. I know you don't. <laughs> Neither do I, but I'm I'm just stating facts here, okay? Uh but as far as what they accomplished, like you can argue fan engagement or something like that, but what they accomplished for sure a top 3 moment in Seattle sports history. And that was so much fun. I was I was on my couch watching and Katie was even watching, my wife, and our dog was with us. If you don't know my dog Lola, she hates any kind of cheering. So Husky and Seahawks games are kind of a long, <laughs> long day sometimes for her because I'm like, I, and I've, I've learned like with Seahawks games, especially if it's just me watching, like I, I try not to make too much noise and I just like, maybe we'll lift my arms up and even that gets her going sometimes. But like, I could not hold it in every time that we scored that first goal um, as sloppy as it was, like I was going nuts, absolutely nuts, mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. bananas. And Katie's like, "You're you're waking the dog, blah 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 blah. The dog's going nuts." I'm like, "I don't care right now, Katie. Okay, this like you don't understand what this means." So I was super into it. Obviously, um, I'm a huge I'm a I'm a Sounders fan. I'm not like the biggest soccer fan or anything like that, but. Um, I know, I know how big that was. Like, I know how big, big that accomplishment was, and I'm super excited to see, like, what it's gonna be like to suit up against a Real Madrid or or uh, Liverpool. You know, like that's gonna be absolutely nuts that we're actually gonna be on the same field as one of those teams. Just, it's it's gonna be surreal. Like in an actual, like not like a friendly. You know, it's like a competitive an actual, match, competitive yes. game. Like that, they're both going for it. So that's how I feel, Sam. I don't know where you're at on it. I mean, I know that you're probably the least amount of soccer fan of any of us, but I know even you were tuning into that match. So oh, yeah. I, I have a feeling that you knew how, how big that was as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I echo a lot of your sentiments probably where I diverge a little bit is I, I don't have, it's hard for me to like rank it against Husky football or Seattle Seahawks because I'm just so much more emotionally invested in those teams and I have been for such a long time that there's right. just a lot of memories or even going back to like the Sonics or, you know, late nineties, early two thousands Mariners, a lot of that mm -hmm. is like sentimental nostalgic mm -hmm. memories I'll hold forever. So it doesn't like the game didn't do it for me in that sense, but I mean, I can count on one finger, the amount of Sounders games that I've, been glued to my seat must watch tv i guess two fingers both of the the championship games here so like that says a lot to me that 
it was that important that I was really invested in the game. And, but I do think just like looking at the facts, this is definitely one of the most prestigious trophies coming home to Seattle without a doubt. And so you can't blink an eye at that. Um, and it was just really cool. I think seeing some of the, the franchise faces have such a great, you know, two game stretch there with Lodero, Rui Diaz, even Jordan Morris had a couple flashes there. I think he had an assist, which was awesome to see. Um, so for me, it was just like really nice to be able to sit down and feel for the first time as not a big soccer fan, like a real attachment to our professional MLS team, which was really cool. Cause I'm like, I'm a huge USMNT guy and I will watch all of those games. This was like, and it even goes to like that Marshawn marketing they had going up to it. Like I couldn't yeah. wait to watch the game. So the fact that I was getting jazzed for a Sounders game and, you know, having it go the way that it went was, was really cool. And definitely probably top two or three soccer game experience that I've ever watched. It was yeah. a big fucking game. Yeah, and the Sounders <laughs> faced some adversity early on, too, with a couple of really key injuries for them. Uh, Nuhu yeah. Tolo yeah. is our left back, African Cameroon national. He shut down Mohamed Salah in an international tournament. For those of you that don't know mm -hmm. who Mo Salah is, he's a player on Liverpool, one of the best in the world. He went out in the 11th Might minute. see him again. Well, might see him again. And Zhao Paulo. MVP candidate last year went out with an ACL, unfortunately. So he's out for the rest of the year, but he went out, I think like the 30th minute or something. Early, so yeah. we had with them, Obed yeah. Vargas come on, 16 year old Obed Vargas come on to the pitch and he mm -hmm. played okay. But yeah, I mean, he came on and filled in admirably. So those are two big injuries and they still, in my opinion, outplayed and deserved the victory. Hands oh, down. Oh, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think it was close. Like who deserved the win? No, not even close. So, yeah, I, it was just the performance and being in the stadium was so cool. I mean, Pumas showed up, by the way. There were a lot of Pumas fans there. I know that maybe didn't show up on TV, but there was a whole section and they were scattered throughout. So credit to them and they were nice and everything. But that stadium showed up in the atmosphere for any like I've never been to a Sounders game that had a, as much of an atmosphere. I mean, sure. I'm sure the MLS Cup was close, but I wasn't there. But yeah, it was fun. So just looking I wanted to recap a little bit of what this means and the magnitude of this. So mm -hmm. getting into the CONCACAF Champions League, you have to qualify. It's not just any MLS team. So you have to be, I mean, for to make this simple, you have to basically be a top four MLS team to make the CONCACAF Champions League. And then once in that, then you have to go a series of knockout matches to get to the final. And then you have a two-legged final. Of all those matches, um, so you start at 16 teams, you play two games, eight teams, two games, four teams. So there's eight games total in the Champions League. The Sounders didn't lose once, and they played two Mexican teams, Leon and um, Pumas. And they also played New York City FC, probably the best informed MLS team at the current moment, and they didn't lose to yeah. them either. And so I think this is the most impressive run by far, not just a championship, but just the run of form and the consistency of the squad to get to this point is really impressive to me. Now, the coach, Brian Schmetzer. 
So we had Shiggy, Siggy Schmid, RIP, before that. He was let go. We have Brian Schmetzer. And all he's done since he's, since he's been appointed full-time coach is win. He has two MLS Cups. He's been to four. So we've, you know, we've lost two. We've won two in these like five and a half, six years. Four Western Conference championships. A, Con- a CONCACAF Champions League now that no MLS club has won ever before in the current format. That's insane. Ever in the current format. We've had them win before, but it was an older format, easier to qualify the whole thing. And then, you know, for those that care about the regional rivalries, we have three Cascadia Cups. So, <laughs> I mean... He, he, he cares. He cares. Oh, he, he cares for works. sure. Yeah, he was... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, to me, he's almost reached the status of unfireable, guys. Like, how do you rank Schmetzer as far yep. as, like, all-time Seattle Listen. legends... I'm going to I'm going to go full Nick Saban hypocrite here because I wasn't putting the respect on Smetzer's name until he won this game until I talked to you Justin and Connor and learned more like he played for the Sounders back what was it what was the league USL U, UF, what was USL it? probably USL, USL. yeah mm-hmm. and like been with the Sounders ever since we joined the MLS as an assistant Northwest Seattle guy, born Nathan Hale guy. Yeah. Like, and now that he's got this championship, like you can call it probably the equivalent to a Super Bowl. Of what the Sounders can win. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so Mm -hmm. like, when you think about all time, great coaches in Seattle sports history, Lenny Wilkins, Don James, Pete Carroll, Mike Holmgren, Lou Pinella, whatever. Like Schmetzer's name needs to be on that level. And like, I apologize for not getting there until now, but like as a city, I know the Sounders aren't like the biggest, you know, ticket in town, but holy shit, Schmetzer's a hometown hero. And like, we need, he needs to be a household name, not only here, but across the country. Like you don't even... I mean, I, I'm not that plugged in, but it seems like there's hotter names in coaching than than him, even in the country, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. There are hotter names, but are there better names, right? That's no. the that's the that's the thing. And you know, this win, I mean, although it's you know regional, the Concacaf, and everything, this this puts Seattle on the map for a lot of teams in recruiting. Uh, not Globally. just not just in yeah. the U.S., but in Mexico, we have a lot of Liga MX team or MX team, you know, team players coming up here, global young players that want to come in the MLS. We've seen a big shift in MLS players of where they used to get the old retirees like David Beckham and Zlatan, and we've still seen that recently. But Le- Leo and, Messi. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, big players come and retire, and that's the big draw, but what we've seen more recently is these young DPs or designated players coming over to the MLS and being stars and then sold to bigger teams in Europe. And so, yeah, this does big things for the Sounders. And, you know, we have to remember guys, they started in 2009. They still never missed the playoffs. Pretty insane. Take note, Mariners. Pretty pretty good run. Yeah. (laughs) They're the exact antithesis of what the Mariners are. Yeah. I mean, and you still, can't, yeah, you, you can't be a more well-run club than the Sounders, just the consistency and how well Schmetzer does it. So yeah, I agree with everything you said, Sam. I mean, he has to be like, if you have the, 
the cheesy Mount Rushmore of like Seattle coaches all time. I think he's an easy lock. Yeah. If he's not one, he's two and there's no debate. Yeah. So and I'm right there with you guys. Yeah. I can't, I can't add anything to it. He just, he embodies Seattle in such an amazing way and he's Seattle through and through he's Sounders through and through. Um, and he's one, you know, like, so like it's the perfect trio that you can't even dream of that. Yeah. I would put him in an unfireable status unless, you know, some crazy like allegations or something come out. Right. Of course. Which I could never foresee. I I can't imagine that happening to Brian Schmetzer, but you never know. So what more can he win? I don't know. I guess he could win this and the MLS cup at the same time. That, that, that would be crazy. That would be because I mean, you know, the MLS, you know, up until the last week, the MLS season for the Sounders has been kind of chalked because we haven't really yeah. been trying to be honest that hard in MLS up until this. They've point. definitely weighed a different competition a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So now they tried in the last week and surprise, they won both their games. So, um, you know, as we start to see that first team lineup actually playing MLS teams, I think so we'll win, we'll win. So I'm not concerned about being 10th in the table at all. We're going to shoot up real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. I mean, we could be in the playoffs, like in, in the playoff seedings as early as this Sunday. if we. Were yeah. Colorado, like one so. and then like high up in two games. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried. Yeah uh other mls news and notes um leo messi as connor alluded there's a rumor that he is going in on the inter miami purchase and would join as soon as the summer of 2023 and so he would come to enter as a player and an owner as a player and owner Um, yeah so you come and play for inter miami uh david beckham's club um, so that would be very fascinating. I, I can't imagine how defenses would stop Leo Messi and them besides half down. I, I don't what, see what it. is he 36? He's 34. I think right now. Mid mid 30s. Mid 30s. I mean, by the still, time he obviously. yeah, by the time he's playing, maybe 36. So anyway, yeah. yeah, I mean he's gonna be older and you know, he hasn't had the best season. He'll in still Paris. be good. He's still good. He's still good. Yeah. <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah. Right. So we'll Ronaldo's hap- probably gonna own LAFC or something next, and then they'll match up in Miami MLS LA. Cup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh any other notes or news that you guys or thoughts you want to share before we move on to the other football? On Sounders? Uh no, I just I mean that whole thing was just super cool, man. Like, and just like how the city embraced it too. Their marketing campa- campaign leading up mm. to it was just top notch as well. Um, I think they got the city really fired up for it. You obviously, I mean, Justin, you were there. You saw the atmosphere that they created, um, and the city created, and they got behind this team. Um, like they've, I mean. We've seen similar, like I'm, like you were saying. I think MLS Cup was probably pretty close to that type of environment, but I think this this definitely ramped it up a notch, and that's that's the biggest support of the Sounders I think that we've seen from this city since their inception. So that was pretty pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And as a segue to the Seahawks, I just think, and I know I I mentioned it already, but that Marshawn Lynch campaign leading up to the championship was so effective and so good and when I first watched it the first thought that came to my mind was Marshawn Lynch is to 
the Seahawks in the city of Seattle, what Russell Wilson wished he would be. Like, Russell I don't think Wilson he ever even, could be. <clears throat> no, I know. That's my point. Is like he doesn't have the personality for it. But he's not even as universally embraced as Beast Mode. No, but par- I mean, a huge part of that is Marshawn's personality, though, right? Yeah, and I think people are realizing that the golden era of Seahawks football had a bit more to do with Marshawn than we knew. <laughs> so anyways, I thought that was interesting, kind of like <laughs> connecting, the, connecting the two. All right. Well, yeah. on that note, I think let's move on. To- <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin's so like biting his tongue right now. I'm just laughing at Justin's reaction. Like, I, I, I no think reaction. He... I'm a professional host here on the show. What do you mean? This is okay. a professional podcast. We are moving on to the Seahawks draft recap, and so we hosted the draft live session, which is really fun, reacting to picks in real time. Little, little slow out of the gate through ten picks, and then we had trade bonanza, boys. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Middle of that draft was middle of that first round was nuts. AJ Brown to the Eagles. I remember. I'm like, what am I reading? Yeah, that was that was fun on air. But specifically on the Seahawks, I'm very curious to get your thoughts on the overall draft. Maybe even do those dumb grades that don't mean anything, just to gauge <laughs> how we feel in this moment in time. And so for our listeners, I'll go over all our picks real quick, and then. Sam, I'm going to turn it over to you for your thoughts first. So our first pick, round one, we did not trade it. Surprise! Uh, We took offensive tackle Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Uh, In our second round pick, we also kept it, and we took Edge Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Our next pick, we had back-to-back picks. We took running back Kenneth Walker III, a standout running back from Michigan State, uh, as played last year. We took Abe Lucas out of Wazoo in our third round pick. Kobe Bryant, a Cincinnati standout cornerback. You should remember him playing against Alabama in the championship uh, with our round four pick. Uh, Tariq Woolen from UTSA. They were undefeated at one point. Uh, Hugh Millen called this the worst at, like worst football player he's ever seen on tape. Uh, our another round five pick, we have Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. And then round seven, Bo Melton from Rutgers. So with all that, you know, Looking at the players we uh, we've picked, Sam, and the positions, how do you feel like the Seahawks did in this draft overall in addressing needs and you know selecting best player and then over like improving their team? Bottom line, I'd say on the surface this feels like a one of the better drafts the Seahawks have had in recent memory, mm. which I can understand isn't necessarily saying a lot. But I think it's been no secret whether Russell Wilson slamming his fists on the ground, complaining about not having offensive line protection. He's right. Our offensive line has been pitiful. So I think going Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, with two of your top four picks is really solid. I think that you're looking at your bookend tackles of the future, possibly with those two. Mm-hmm. I love the pick of Abe Lucas. He's from my alma mater in high school, Archbishop Murphy, local guy. So, you know, I think it's a cool story to have him with the Seattle Seahawks. And, I, you know, in general, I, I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. Like going into the draft, I wanted to see offensive linemen, tackles in particular. I think that's a definite check mark. We did that. 
I think secondly would be solidifying the defensive backfield and our pass rush. And part of me wishes that we would have taken a, a corner or a safety earlier than round four. With that being said, to your point, getting Kobe Bryant in the fourth round would, was a steal. I think that's huge value, honestly. Big time value. So I'm pretty pumped about what he's going to be able to bring to the team with the, with the fourth round pick. I think he's going to outperform that pick over the course of time. But um, I'm not sold on Boye Mafe yet. I think he's a, – and, and we'll see this with a couple of picks. I think Tariq Woolen fits in this category as well. You mentioned the Hugh Millen comments. Doesn't think the world of him. <laughs> but I think they're both – Tariq and Boye are physical freaks. I mean, they are off-the-chart elite athletes. And, you know, Boye Mafe has had – at least some pretty solid production against, you know, big 10 opponents, but kind of a one trick pony. I haven't seen a lot of versatility and pass rush moves out of him. So I feel like that might've, in my opinion, might've been a little bit of a reach, but I think, you know, wrapping up my general thoughts, I think overall we got, you know, a handful of really good players, some good value in the back end, maybe a couple reaches, I'll leave the big elephant in the room for somebody uh, maybe Justin will talk about later. But uh, I think overall, you know, I feel like we didn't knock it out of the park, but probably if I was going to give it a grade, like B minus B, like I think it was pretty good. Connor, before I get your overall thoughts, there was a lot of sentiment in the draft room and in our three in our draft room and you know Seahawks Twitter Seahawks Reddit whatever it may be that the Seahawks may take a quarterback this draft and that did not happen so do you Mm -hmm. think that was smart and wise for the Seahawks to not to take a you know quarterback and tank for what is it Uh, I forget what it is for Bryce Young there's a there's a there's a hashtag out there I forget what it is uh but something for Bryce or I think it's for Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyways, do you think it's smart for them not to take a quarterback this year and maybe banking the future on next year? Do you think they should have taken a rolled the dice on one of them? I would love to hear your thoughts on the quarterback uh, position. I mean, it's not in Pete Carroll's blood to tank for a quarterback. So I don't (laughs) think that that's really on the table, at least as far as he sees this team. I mean, he thinks this team's going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, okay. but that's just how, that's just how he's wired. So, um, I was pretty indifferent about it. I, that might be just a lame cop-out answer, but like, I wasn't, I, you guys were both, I mean, I, I guess I was included in that a bit too. Um, I liked Willis. I, I, I did, but like, I mean, he dropped a lot, like and third round. I think, I think people realize just like that you're taking kind of a big flyer on, on a dude that's pretty unproven um, throwing the football. Um, yeah, I mean, his, his intangibles are exciting, but like, are you really going to spend a first or second round pick on, on that? Um, so, I mean, Based on what they ended up getting, I'm totally fine with them not taking a quarterback in this draft. I don't think a quarterback that you would have taken in this draft would have been any better than what you have on the team now. 
in Drew Locke, Geno Smith, even a Jacob Eason. Um, so I, I mean, whether or not that means they end up drafting a quarterback next year, I mean, you're going to probably have to draft one at some point. So next year's crop is a lot, a lot creamier than this one. So I'm, I'm fine with, fine with waiting, but, um, I was pretty indifferent going in. Like I was fine with them taking one, fine with them not taking one. If they weren't going to take one, I would have wanted them to do exactly what they did in this draft as far as positions of need and addressing those, um, as well as just value picks like you guys were talking about. So of all these picks, which one is your favorite? And then do you have any at all that you might've gone a different way on? Honestly, it's weird. It's weird coming from a UW fan, but like, I, I really like the Abe Lucas pick. Yeah, me too. Um, I think, I think that was great value in round three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was mocked in round two a lot. Um, and the fact that they double upped on tackle, I think was a statement too. Yeah. Um, of what, what, what they're valuing and where they see the franchise succeeding and where they want to build around, you know, going forward. Um, which I think is totally like totally the right move. You need to, we've talked about this on the podcast, build this thing inside out. You know, you got to rebuild that line, both sides. They needed to address pass rusher. They did that as well. Um, I also, I also like the Kobe Bryant pick though. I think the, I mean, I think probably for all of us, those would probably be our two favorite picks as far as just like value. Um, but I mean, you could even throw in some of the seventh round, like both those seventh round receivers are interesting. You know, Bull Melton's like super quick and Derek Young is one of those physical freaks that you were just talking about, Sam. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're going to end up making the team or anything. At least one of them, I'm sure, will make it on special teams. Bo Melton's a hell of a returner, too, so he could probably find himself doing that um, when he was at Rutgers. So, uh, I mean, those those are some some you know jitterbug guys that we'll be able to watch in the preseason. That'll be fun. But as far as, like, talent alone and value picks, I mean, I think you have to go with those uh, third and fourth round picks and Abe Lucas and Kobe Bryant. How are you feeling about it, Justin? I think this is one of the best drafts that Seahawks have had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're known for the Seahawks of, you know, thinking that they're a little smarter than the rest of the t- rest of the NFL and reaching on guys or taking their guys when they want or trading back or whatever it is. For the most part, they took the best available or the best available person at a position of need. And I know during our live episode, Sam, we were talking a lot about how we preferred, um, Icky and Evan Neal over Charles Cross. Yeah. But those two guys were gone. And Charles Cross was the best offensive tackle available, I think, yeah. on all our boards. And they took it. Yeah. And so I know we have some problems and concerns like, hey, we've seen him in the past game, yada, yada, yada. He's a hell of a player. He really is. And yeah. so if they're going Very tackle athletic. and, you know, they identified him as, you know, top 10 on their big board and maybe those other two guys were higher, but they're gone. So I have no problem with that pick. I think overall on every pick, but one, I think they've <laughs> nailed it and went out of the park. The one, What's the one Justin. <laughs> yeah. What is the one Justin? <laughs> the one that irritated me. And I know you guys, when this pick happened, we're like, Oh, we should have gone live. All this whole thing was running back. <laughs> Kenneth Second Walker. round should have been live. Kenneth Walker. 
out of Michigan State. And it has nothing to do with the quality of player that I think Kenneth Walker is. I think he's actually going to be yep. really good for the Seahawks. He's going to be the, amazing. The, <laughs> the irony of it. Yeah. It's the value that running backs have in the NFL in this day and mm-hmm. age. And so if you're spending a second round pick, that's very high on a running back it's just what is the opportunity cost to use like a financing term what is the what could you have got instead is it more you know is it worth the risk or the bite of an apple to take malik willis out of liberty with that second second round pick is you know could you have got another core i know you know i don't remember who was on the board at that time but just running backs in general just have such a low value right booth uh such a low value right now it's tough to swallow getting kenneth walker when you could have you know, short up your defensive backs a little bit more. And so that's holds me back. But as far as the rest of the draft goes, I really liked what they did on all of your points. And so I'd almost give it a B or B plus guys, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think it was a really good draft. There's a lot of drafting analysts that gave us an A. Yeah. Like it's a great draft. Honestly, like it's, it's the best draft on paper that they've had since they were graded F in their 2012 <laughs> draft. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Which is super ironic. But I mean, just um, for Bobby Wagner so, and Russell. So, Wilson, so all well, these guys yeah. are probably going to end up sucking. Um, <laughs> no, no. No. I mean, Kenneth Walker? Kenneth Walker will be. Kenneth Walker sucks. It sucks. Because, like, go ahead. He's like 5'10, 5'11, 220, 215 pounds. He ran, so like, he's kind of like that bowling ball body type. He ran a four three eight forty. Mm, that's pretty at fast. That, at that like physical stature, that is so fast. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's going to be really interesting. Like diving into it a little bit more. The thing that's you know we've all kind of had the hypothesis that letting Russell go and Pete's going to go back to like a run first offense. So like choosing a running back in the second round at pick number 41 kind of follows that line of thought. But then the two tackles you got come from like 75% pass happy offenses. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how those players shake out. But yeah, I think Kenneth Walker's going to be damn good. And part of me wonders how much of that pick has to do with like Chris Carson. I mean, Chris Carson's long-term health. I don't know if he's going to be back, what his deal is with his neck. But like neither Carson nor Penny have proven that they can last a season. So Kenneth Walker is going to play. Oh yeah. Oh, he's, he's probably going to look good. If he doesn't play, that's horrible pick even yeah. worse than it already is. So honestly though, like, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut in here, but like, I think them, them picking Kenneth Walker is like signaling obviously pretty much the end for Chris Carson. Not only that, but like Probably. as far as their their running back room in general, from a health standpoint, you're I mean, right now you're betting on five games from Rashad Penny. Scary. Yeah. And if you look at it from that standpoint, that's probably why they valued that position so highly. Because they needed a stud that is gonna be reliable. And yeah. running backs get injured. So, like, I mean, that that's a point in itself, but like they needed another body in that room, like, and a capable body in that room. And I mean, there's no way that they would have gotten Kenneth Walker in the third round. Like if this is the dude that they loved. Like this, I mean, some people praise T 
teams for like trading up or like st- like sticking to their guns and like these types of picks. Like if you love a dude, like pick him. Um, I I think all three of us share the sentiment sentiment that this was a, like definitely a reach at, at that at that pick as far as just the value of running back. Um, but I I'm wondering what you guys would have rather them gone to like at that given given what they have they ended up doing in the rest of the draft i ended up being fine with that pick but at that moment like i was obviously just pissed because kyler went the the, the pick before well, like the bears, the traded, bears up traded to get up kyler. in front of us right um pretty sure we probably were targeting him i i don't think that was a secret and that's probably why the bears traded up in front of us to get him um but as far as even the, the guys that were available after that, so we mentioned Andrew Booth Jr. from, from Clemson, cornerback. Um, I'm scrolling down a little bit here. David Ajabo was an interesting yeah. name as well. Mm. A consensus top five pick a year ago, but obviously coming off a major injury, so he'd be probably sitting a whole year. Um, scroll down a little bit more. You could have gone defensive tackle uh, with Mathis from Alabama. Um, another corner out of Tennessee, uh, Taylor, Al- Alante Taylor, um, could have gone Cam Jurgens center from Nebraska. So, I mean, there's a few different kinds of ways that they could have gone with this. Like what would, I mean, I think for me, it's pretty obvious that like, I, I would have preferred probably booth there. Like if they were going to go any of those guys that I just mentioned, if there's a name that I didn't mention, like that you guys had circled at 40 or 41, um, please feel free to mention that. Also, have you guys listened back to our live recording? I don't know no. if you guys do that or not. No, so I, I'm probably no, I, weird. I, I critique I myself, but yeah, I critique myself. So that's, that's why I, I listened back. Connor's trying to get at better. The, Sam and I are not. No, you? Uh, and I'm not getting better by the way. I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but the, the funny thing is though, I mentioned both of their, those names at 40 and 41. I said, boy, a mafia might be available at 40 or 41. I'm higher. I think on him than you yeah. guys are. Like I would have been fine with him. Cause I had yeah, him, him going first round. First round. Yeah. yeah. I had him at like 25 or something like that. I think, um, he, he's a little bit older, but he's super twitchy. And I think he's probably going to start off mostly as like a third down specialist, but I think he does have the upside of becoming like a, a really good pass rusher for us, like on a, on a pretty consistent basis. Um, and then I also mentioned that like someone brought up Kenneth Walker. I think you circled him. Like you had like a bunch of, like we were going over day two picks and you were like, had, like had a bunch of best available left. Kenneth Walker was on there and we were like, Oh God, if they go Kenneth Walker at 40 or 41, <laughs> that'd be a disaster. They did. And they did. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. Um, I I think at that time uh, when I was, you know, talking and at that, you know, when they picked Kenneth Walker, I was understandably devastated. I was going into the mode of assuming that the Seahawks would do what they always do and reach on players and not necessarily pick players of value or of need and et cetera. And they didn't do that. The entire draft, except for Kenneth Walker. Right. And so, that's what makes up for it a little bit, but yep. still seeing as far as your question of who would I rather, I think a lot of those names are exactly who I'd be thinking. I would only add Malik Willis to that, just given the nature yeah. of the flyer yep. and the risk of the quarterback position. That's I think, I, throw in there. I think if we had done it, we would have been fine with it. 
Mm, yeah, you know, I mean, right? as a second oh, yeah. round pick, you know, yeah, even though he sure. ended up going in the third, like, I mean, that's that, that's all, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, if we had yeah. picked him there, I think we would have thought that that was really good value. And nobody in the NFL draft would have been surprised if he went at the end of the first. Mm-mm. Nobody, Mm-mm. right? No, um, I mean, that being said, though, I out of this crop of rookies, Kenneth Walker's gonna be the best one from day one. He's gonna be the most immediate plug and play. Yeah, correct. Most impactful, I should say. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I hope both, both the tackles Cross. might start, I guess. But. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who else is the competition for right tackle? Kurhan? Kurhan, right? Jake Kurhan. Like, yeah. he's not good. So Abe Lucas could easily win that battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's more of a, I mean, I think Cross is probably starting day one. My guess is, uh, yeah, he should. I mean, he, that's so, I mean, that's so cool to, to, to freaking bookend your your line cool and draft. scary yeah <laughs> well, got it right. i mean it's drew lock's gonna get fucking killed this year probably <laughs> yeah. but it's gonna be sweet in like three years when we have bryce young slinging the rock i tried to look up what the whoever equivalent was for young couldn't find I couldn't it really find it okay. it was like Puncture your lung for young. Mm, that's not what I was. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Win twice, for Bryce. Win twice for Bryce. Mm. That wasn't it. No, I don't. I don't know. That's I'll, not bad I'll though. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, that might be. The I'm not record. sure. A uh, couple other thoughts for the Seahawks before, and I'll turn it over to you guys if you have anything else as well. Sure. Schedule came out. And so I know we're not going to cover that in depth and go over any game by game predictions just yet. That will be later. Uh, But just a couple notable. So obviously, as we mentioned earlier, we open up the season Monday night football, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on ESPN calling Denver Broncos against the Seattle Seahawks. Jitters already. Way less prime time. That's going to be an insane. It's going to be a packed game. I think it's smart for the NFL, honestly, to do that week one because it's going to be like 0-4. By the time anyone, yeah, it's genius. You yeah. want both teams to be relevant, which is week one, so. <laughs> right? So I think I think that's fantastic. Not many primetime games. That's a change from before. Wonder we why? Two. We have two. We have the Monday night yeah. opener, and I believe we have a Thursday game against quite a few ten a.m. games, though. <laughs> yes, oh. we do. Uh, who's Three, the Thursday four. game against? Uh, where's the Thursday game? I'm trying to do dates right now. I'm not sure. Uh, that we had it'd two. just be the third. It'd be the Thursday night game, right? Uh, it's the 49ers against the Seahawks, December 15th. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had to scroll down. Uh, so a Thursday game and a Monday night game. So we're guaranteed to, you can have a maximum of five, I believe. So we can, if the Seahawks are good. They can get flexed in later the season. That's for sure. Yeah. They have the room. Uh, other notable, they play in Munich, the first NFL game in Germany. Uh, Seahawks cool. and Buccaneers. That's a 6.30 a.m. Pacific time start. So set your alarm. You guys all want to get up? For that. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it for sure. I'm yeah. too much of a Seahawks fan, but, you know, going no, to. No, you, like, we'll spend the night at Justin's and we'll get up with them. Uh, you, cool, you cool with a crying baby? Do the Huskies play on November 12th? I'm sure they probably do. Are the times even released yet? Probably not, right? College football. Uh, times aren't times no are not chance. released, but yeah. the dates are. 
November yeah, they play 12th Oregon. is Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. Oh, <laughs> yep, we're coming down. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, pack up the pack and play now. Yeah. In oh, anticipation geez. for November 12th. Oof, oh, man. Might get a little rowdy. Just yeah. going to uh, that game we have gonna a... be pissed at me. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we got to talk about Husky soon. Uh, and then second last thing I want to throw out to you guys before we end against the Broncos Monday Night Football, we win the coin toss. We Pete Carroll for a random reason says we're gonna take the ball and we're gonna score. Who is trotting out for quarterback for the Seahawks on September twelfth? Honestly, like the way that it's going, it's probably going to be Drew Locke, don't you think? I think it's one of three options. I'll at least lay that out there. You guys tell me who you think it'll be. Well, sure. I think it's going to be Drew Locke, Geno Smith, or Baker Mayfield. No Drew Brees? No, no. No Jacob Eason? (laughs) No, not Eason. Jacob Eason's actually on the roster right now, you know. He is. He is, but I don't I don't know. Uh, no, he's not going to start. Um, uh, they've definitely built, I mean, they've built their hype, quote unquote, hype campaign around Drew Locke. Hype. <laughs> That's been pretty, pretty little hype. Yeah, pretty little hype. I mean, their hype videos even have been kind of. The fake schedule lackluster. release, you didn't like that one? Oh, with, Did you see uh, the, that was the Seahawks like hype yeah. one. It was yeah, yeah. Where the Chargers put an funny. anime video where they just absolutely shit on the entire league. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I think it's funny that we just get so caught up in a schedule release. It's know? amazing. Like, the I NFL, mean, yeah. NFL, can make NFL is such a juggernaut when it comes to that stuff. Watch them take over a whole week and they'll release it in like four week chunks throughout. I, the whole well, week. that's that's what that's what like I I was listening to I think Softy or something the next day. And whoever he had on, I don't even remember who it was, Peter King or something. And he's like, mm-hmm. honestly, they should like release it in segments. So you do like weeks one through four oh, on Monday, and weeks four, like five through eight on Tuesday. And they like take up a whole week. And then you, you have like the NBA and the NHL all pissed off at you because it's their playoff time that and you're releasing the, the schedule. Kicker, but their pay per view events. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and people would actually pay for it. I know. The NFL is the best at like, getting people to tune in for the dumbest shit yeah yeah they are they are yeah and i mean that's me i always tune in addressing your question addressing your question uh i think it'll probably be drew lock but i would not be surprised at all if geno smith is the quarterback i was kind of surprised they brought him back i mean i think that's your like that's just their um that's just their backup you know like like if if drew lock is like <laughs> terrible like not look movies. not looking good <laughs> the preseason going into the season they're like yeah we'll just trot Gino out there at least like that's like that's their floor you know they're establishing their floor that's why they that's why they brought him back Gino could win you like five six games this year four or five for sure yeah uh drew lock is 41 percent chance for me Geno Smith is 39 and Baker Mayfield is 20. Yeah. So that's a not it's a very not answer. 
I, it, I don't. I mean, I it depends. So. It depends what the Browns do. I. I mean, all of this honestly stems from whatever happens with this Deshaun Watson thing, right? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if if he's suspended for twelve games, they are going to be wanting to keep Baker just to Baker play. Doesn't which is going to be there. Doesn't I know, be which there. is going to be wild. wild. It's going to be crazy. But I mean, they don't want to like lose this season with the team that they have. I mean, they've kind of built for this that's why they got Deshaun Watson so I don't know we'll see I mean I think I think likely Watson's probably going to be suspended for half the year so it'll be like eight or nine games um and I think that's a I don't know that'll be interesting to see what they end up doing um I would feel like at that point they probably release Baker but if it ends up being more than that like if it's more than half the season I could see them trying to keep Baker that's kind of where I'm at. And then if Baker's available, you know, and at, at name your price type thing, Seahawks will explore it. I mean, what other teams would explore it though? Like, what do you think? I mean, the Panthers were rumored, but they chose quarterback, right? So yeah. Saints. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Texans. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Davis Mills Miami, down there. Who does Miami have? Didn't they sign someone else other than Tua? Or is it just Tua? I think it's Tua, right? Yeah. I wonder if they would bring him in maybe too. I don't know. Who knows? It's probably... But well, I, odds I, are it's going to be Locke or Gino. Yeah. I mean, that, at least as, of thing, as things stand right now. Uh, until we know more about the Deshaun Watson situation, I don't think... We can gauge an accurate. Yeah, probably not. Well, just because we don't know what's going to happen with Baker. Baker's still a Brown right now. You know, they own his rights. Yeah. So, I mean, whether he likes it or not, (laughs) they can they can hold on to him if they want to. So yeah, I know we got like if it. Well, sorry. Only other thing I was going to say, like, it's not going to be in his best interest to like play shitty if they force him to play. Right, because uh, this is going to be a dress rehearsal for whatever the next team he's going to sign for. Is. Yeah, it could so, potentially be a really ugly situation there for sure. It could be very weird. It could be very, very awkward and fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> entertaining as hell. One more Seahawks thought before we move on to talk about dogs, and it was kind of going back to the schedule. One of the things that came out, I saw tweeted, and I'm I pulled it up here that I thought was really interesting. I'll just read this this quick little paragraph the seattle seahawks will lead the nfl in miles traveled during the 2022 season yeah as they will cover nearly 30,000 miles and hop across 34 time zones over the 17 game slate by contrast the pittsburgh steelers will not leave the eastern time zone and travel an nfl low 6,000 miles 6,000 insane the difference, but like 34 time zones and the Steelers are never going to deal with the time change. That's pretty wild. Isn't that kind of messed up? Well, the Seahawks always have a like disadvantage when it comes to travel though, too. I mean, they just usually because of where we're located. Yeah, like, yeah. That like, is exorbitant. Like that is. Insane. Well, and I mean, a piece of that though is our game in Munich. Right. Of course. Yeah, uh, that right the there. About that's it, that, ten time zones each way, or whatever. Yeah, so. like I guess what I'm trying to say is the part that stands out the most to me isn't necessarily that the Seahawks are traveling the most and the 
switching time zones the most. I was shocked to find out the Steelers are never going to leave. The yeah, East that that part's that's crazy. wild. Yeah, like who's yeah, the fact who that they, they're never even coming to the West Coast once. They're not even going to Central Time. Yeah, that is bizarre. I'm looking at their schedule right now. So they play the AFC East. It looks like. So that would be. And they Eastern must play the zones. NFC yes. East. And they play the NFC East. No, they they don't. They, no, it, well. They, they couldn't play Dallas then. Hold on. Unless hold they on. play Dallas at home. They play the NFC oh. South. They play the NFC South. Which is all East, Eastern. Well, time. no, the Saints are Central, but the Saints come to the Steelers. So yeah. they go to Atlanta, which That's is and crazy. Charlotte uh, for the Panthers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that. I mean, it is wow. a total disadvantage for the Seahawks that we have to cross time zones as much as we do. Oh, yeah. Wow, this Pittsburgh schedule is wild. Oh my goodness. Yes, that's what I'm if saying. Pits, like, if if Pittsburgh ends up winning the Super Bowl next year, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm just looking, <laughs> I can't believe the schedule. Like they hardly have to travel for any game. I <laughs> they know. take a bus, John Madden style. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, that's I nuts. thought that was an interesting tidbit we should have we should bring. No, up. super I interesting. The Steelers thing was nuts. Yeah, the Steelers thing's like way more surprising to me than than the Seahawks yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Huskies will probably travel more than 6,000 miles next year. Uh, without a doubt, going to California. They're going to be in uh, two time zones for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll cover this schedule in a bit. But, you know, transitioning a little bit, I mean, there's been a lot of activity in college football since we've last broadcasted about Husky football from spring camps to NIL to transfer portal to Jimbo versus Saban beef and the whole deal. I want to start with spring camp. Sam, you were actually there before you helped me graciously move from my apartment to my house. And so I would love first from you, your observations from spring camp, what started to you, who played well, maybe who didn't. So just lay it out for us on your overall thoughts on Husky spring camp. Yeah, I think the first takeaway I had was it was, you know, we always get into this, like, is it a spring game? Is it a spring practice preview? Like, are they going to actually scrimmage? I was really, it was whatever you want to call the spring event was by far and away the most resemblance to an actual game that I can remember going to. Like the amount of live tackling scrimmaging that they did was way more than I remember under Lake or Peterson, which I thought was really cool as a fan to be able to like see, you know, something, obviously the scoring system is different. You know, defense gets points for turnover on downs or, uh, you know, stop forcing a punt, that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought that was just cool off the top that we got to see a lot and that DeBoer and the staff, you know, didn't go through just like a normal practice and put on a bit of a show for the fans. I think standout wise for players, honestly, there wasn't a ton to see. I think obviously the quarterbacks come to mind. Penix definitely just looks like the better quarterback in the way that he, you know, even just moves. I mean, the first snap of the scrimmage that I saw, they did a read zone and he kept it and ran for like 12 yards for a first down. And you're just like, whoa, that's different than what we're used to. So I think that was cool. On the day, he did throw two interceptions. One of them wasn't his fault. Devin Culp 
it was a little bit of a high pass, but I think Devin Colt like kind of rolled an ankle or got his feet underneath him kind of funny. And you couldn't even slide a piece of paper under his feet. He didn't, he didn't get off the ground. So that kind of sailed on him. So like statistically, he didn't have the best day. Sam Heward definitely had the best day and looked super confident, but he was also going up against like the threes and fours most of the day. So I don't write too much up to that. The one cool thing to note there was when Sam Heward was making plays, more often than not, he was finding Lanyata Junior Alexander, his high school teammate who tri just transferred in in time for spring ball from Arizona State. And Alexander also made an incredible one-handed catch down the sideline. So like that dude is gonna play. Like we have a stacked wide receiver room between Rome, Jalen, Jalen, number two, <laughs> Giles Jackson, Alexander. Like, that is going to be a good wide receiver unit for sure. So I feel really good about the wide receivers. Dylan Morris looked like Dylan Morris to me. Like, he, he seemed like he was a bit more comfortable. He knew what was going on. But his passes are just like in spring, in the spring game, they got where they needed to go. He completed passes, but they're wobbly. They're on the back shoulder. It's just not crisp. He's just not a crisp quarterback. So I think Penix is running away with the QB battle, and it'll be interesting to see how the backup shakes out, transfer portal for Morris or Heward, something like that. But we'll just have to see. But I'd be really pretty surprised if Penix wasn't the guy. Um Trying to think defensively, Alfonso Tupatala at linebacker looked really good. Cam Bright looked amazing. Transfer captain from the Pittsburgh team last year. Um, yeah, Cam Bright is super fast. He's ripped, really good athlete. But Alfonso Tupatala also caught my eye. Be interesting, Carson Bruner isn't getting run as much. I think Connor was texting in our group chat earlier that Maybe he doesn't fit the scheme as much, maybe a little bit heavier footed than the coaches would like, but if he's your backup linebacker, I feel pretty damn good about it. Um, trying to think who else stood out. The running backs, I mean, you're down to two running backs. Didn't see anything special from Aaron Dumas. First time getting to see him transfer from New Mexico State. And JV on Sunday had a couple good moments, but you know, all in all, I think it is hard. You know, you don't, we haven't, a lot of these players we haven't seen in this, we, well, we for sure haven't seen in this system. And it's hard to gauge. Like it was pretty even offense versus defense. Um, the only thing that was like really obvious to me was the Q, was the QB stuff I've already mentioned. But it was a really good time. It was a fun event. I mean, decent showing, nothing crazy, but, um, it was fun to watch him scrimmage for sure. Do you think, given your thoughts on quarterback, do you think DeBoer names starting quarterback well before our first game? Or do you think yes. he waits? No. I think they'll name the starting quarterback after the first week or the second week of fall camp. No more uncertainty, says Sam. No. And I think it's already kind of, you know, it's implied, right? It's rumble there's all the rumblings that it's Penix has really separated himself from everything that I've read or heard. 
Right, with your sources, correct. My sources. Connor, so, you know, we've had this NIL transfer portal craziness and nightmare. We've detailed, you know, a couple months ago about all the craziness of, you know, players coming out, traders within the Husky team, et cetera, players coming back in, like, or coming in, I should say, like Cam Bright. We've seen a few, a little bit additional movement. So do you want to detail uh, what we've seen and any new players coming in since we've last broadcasted? Yeah, still fuck Sam Taimani. That that <laughs> remains the same. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, that guy exists. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, as far as new transfer outs, uh, honestly, we we thought there was going to be more um, than there has been, and there hasn't been a whole lot. It was a couple walk-ons. I don't even remember their names. Transferred out. Uh, Case and Kinchin was one of them out of Lake Stevens. Yeah, it was like um, Ben Hines, Cameron versus Ben Hines, one of the linebackers. Yep. Um, but the, the the two biggest guys definitely that transferred out were two. I mean, fairly high highly recruited players uh, and and younger players in the program. One of them being running back Caleb Berry. Um, I think this ultimately came down to a scheme fit. Uh, he's he's obviously like a bigger bruiser back, and um, that's not the type of back that DeBoer likes in his offense. Come on, baby, so, give me those passing backs. Yeah, um, Caleb Bur- Barry definitely. Caleb Burry definitely isn't Burry. going to fit that bill. Um, so I I wish him the best. I think I it ultimately like it if if the offense fit him better obviously he just would have stayed but like if the offense wasn't going to fit him and he needs to go do what he needs to do so greener pastures elsewhere i don't think he's committed anywhere yet so i think he announced he's going to go the juco route i don't think he got any fbs oh really interesting that's too bad like he's only a year into his career i'm surprised by that like i mean mean, he hasn't played at all but interesting wow well, that's too bad, but hopefully hopefully something comes out of the woodwork for him. Um, however, someone who did get an offer and has committed is Jacoby Covington. Um, and that's someone that I think both Sam and I were very high on. Um, very talented defensive back, a four-star um, defensive back, cornerback mostly, but could play safety possibly. It depends where he ends up fitting in. Um, could play basically in the defensive back positions, but was mostly labeled as a cornerback at UW. Um, really, really talented player. Um, but I, this came down to him falling down the depth chart, and he was losing out to to some walk-on guys like Mish Powell, um, some other guy too was passing him up. I can't remember who it I was. Know. I mean, they obviously brought in Perryman. Devon, Devon Banks was starting to pass him Yes, He's, Banks. I mean, yep. he was a very lightly recruited guy, but he's a scholarship guy. Yeah. But like, I mean, like very Elijah low Jackson was passing him up. So, yep. Spears wasn't passing him up yet though. Right. No, I don't think so. And I think it comes down to like, you but... hate to see a, a, a athlete like that leave the program. But when I really think about it and remove my, you know, I really thought that he was going to, to your point, Connor, kind of be the next, in the UW DBU rotation. But yep. at the end of the day, if he's getting passed up by, you know, Elijah Jackson, Devon Banks, Mish Powell, Jordan, like if he wasn't going to play this year, I'm not sure that it's that big of a loss. No. Well, and the other thing is, though, like 
He goes to USC. Getting paid. Yeah. I mean, he's getting paid, but, like, is he going to play at USC? I don't know. Their defensive backs were pretty bad, right? I don't know where he fits into their I mean, for game. sure, Lincoln-Riley teams are going to be m- way more offensive-centric. Like, I get that. So maybe their defense sucks. But, like, I would think that they have some talented guys in that defensive backfield at USC. Just my, yeah. just my guess. But, I mean, Covington's a good player, and, like, it sucks to lose him. It also didn't seem like, uh, from from what I've read as well, he I don't think he was jiving with the coaches. Like, I don't think he got along very well with the coaches at all. Um, who's the defensive backs coach? Juice Brown. Juice? He was a, yeah, I yeah. Covington was a late guy through and through. So, like, yeah, you know, exactly. you can talk yeah. up him falling down the depth chart. Maybe he just wasn't engaged and plugged in as much as he needed to be. Mm-hmm. And if he jives with the coaches better. If you read between the lines. And the light goes on for him, he can be a hell of a player. I mean, he's He'll, got the I think he, yeah. I think if he plays, he's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. If he plays, he's going to be good. It's just whether he's going to play. He's got to beat him out. Um, so that, I mean, those are the guys going out that are new. Um, yeah. We've mentioned all these other guys, right? Yeah. I don't think we need to touch on any of them. I feel like there was, I felt like there was one other. Those were the only two. Edition. I know that there's rumors that there was maybe another two or three that did their paperwork and just hasn't been announced, but it doesn't seem like we're going to be losing any like big names. Nothing crazy. No, it's, it, it sounded like, I mean, there were rumblings that it was going to be like one of like our starting like linemen, like and on it was gonna one be of like the, a total of 10 people after spring. Yeah. Yeah, like there were rumors that Thule might be gone too. And yeah. it was like, holy shit, that would not be good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we honestly didn't lose too much. I, I, Jacoby Hurts, I think that's the biggest surprise probably. But yeah. um, you read the tea leaves a little bit and it's maybe not as surprising as it, as it once was. Um, as far as the new additions in uh, that we have not already gone over on the podcast before, Running back Wayne uh, Talapapa, Tal- 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 I think is how you yep. say that. Talapapa. Um, big zombie. What's what? Yeah, he's he's a big like bowling <laughs> ball dude. Um, Virginia, yeah, and he, I mean, he played quite a bit for them. Um, I, they weren't like a, they weren't a running centric offense there, so like he didn't get a ton of carries, but they used him a lot in in the red zone and especially goal line situations. Yeah. So I, I foresee him fulfilling that role for us, maybe as a third down back, goal line back. Yeah. Um, and he'll be, he'll be good at that. I, he, he, he moves forward. So that's a good <laughs> thing. Not, he's not Sean McGrew going between the tackles. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, wide receiver, William Nixon, uh, who is out of Nebraska, I believe. Yeah. Um, probably not going to factor into the rotation this year i wouldn't think but maybe down the road he plays a part um maybe a special teams or something like that for him too but um that was a little bit of an interesting one to me i i know that like there was some blowback with frost and stuff at nebraska i don't know if it had anything to do with that that he ended up transferring out of nebraska but i mean obviously the this this offense and DeBoer's program is going to attract wide receivers. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later too. Like yeah, Jamarcus Shepard is a hell of a recruiter and he yes. knows what he's doing. And Washington's going to be an attractive place for a receiver to be 
for the next little while, at least until Jamarcus uh, moves on to greener pastures, which he inevitably will at some point, yeah. but hopefully later rather than sooner. The um, one thing I'll add on with William Nixon, yeah, go ahead. To, to further your point, is he's kind of a think of him in that Chico McClatcher type role. Like he kind of is a yeah. running back, slot wide receiver. So there are some basically the Giles that, Jackson role right now yeah, in the offense. But there are some out there that think that DeBoer might want to put him in the backfield. And so, like, as we're thinking about mm-hmm. being pass happy, having a running back that's right. basically a wide receiver. I remember reading that. that I could see him potentially getting on the field sooner rather than later is in a running back capacity on, on passing downs. Yeah. DeBoer's not happy with his running backs right now. It's, it's a rough situation. It's a rough situation. I mean, he's got, he's got a running back that transferred in and a wide receiver that he's going to move to running back that transferred in. Um, He's had two, two transfer running backs in actually, and then one out. But yeah, anyway, I, I mean, I, I also thought another running back might transfer out too. Like, I was surprised that it wasn't more than just the one. I thought Megwa might. Yeah. Because Meg was Meg was built similarly to Caleb Berry, but I mean, he's also technically only supposed supposed to be a freshman this next year. So yeah. we'll see what we'll happens. See. Anyway, um, and then the last guy to transfer in was this most recent one, just as a couple of days ago. Um, Christopher Mall out of UAB, a linebacker. Um, what this screams to me is that Eddie is not going to play much, if at all, this year. Um, get, bringing in another fifth-year, six-year guy with experience at linebacker, who's, I mean, a good player. Like, I think, I think he's solid. Like, I don't, I, he's not, he's not probably a front-end Pac-12 player, but he's probably going to be better than what they were trotting out last year. Well, and what they were trotting out last year with Jackson Sermon. So he's at least faster than Jackson Sermon for sure. Um, And he seems to recognize and diagnose plays quickly on tape. Um, Obviously you question the competition, him being at UAB, not a great conference, but um, I mean, it, it more than anything, I just, I just read that Eddie's likely not to play very much, if at all, like, the rumor was that it's it's a serious injury. Someone I, I heard said it was a knee. So, I mean, it's basically obvious that it's an ACL at this point. Yeah. Um, and it was in winter conditioning. So you're talking January, February. Typically ACLs are, you know, 10-month timeline, something like that. So you're talking October, November at the earliest. So... He might get back for the, like the last four games, but at that point, is it worth it? Just stretch. Um, yeah. So it, it probably depends, honestly, where we are as far as like the success of the like team this year. You know, like if we're if we're in the hunt, you'd for be championship. You'd be world, like, all right, we'll get to that. All right, yeah. So. um We'll see what happens, obviously, with that one. But uh, an interesting transfer in that we weren't expecting at linebacker with Christopher Mall. Yeah, yeah, transfer portal. That's that's the bummer about Eddie. I I tend to agree with your sentiment, and hopefully he's back, you know, before the Oregon game and healthy. But we'll see. We've already circled that on November twelfth. Circle it, circle it. Oh man, be at Justin's. Yeah. November's gonna be popping off, guys. 
Yeah, World Cup starts in November World too. Cup. US MNT. We might just spend the month down at Justin's. <laughs> yeah. We're moving in, Samantha. Oh. We're gonna have to rig <laughs> You the don't garage. have a choice. <laughs> rig the garage with your projector, Connor, and like have it go on the white oh, yeah. walls and put like a yeah, little yeah, couch yeah, yeah, in yeah. there. Yeah. Love it. have to do that. Hmm. Okay. That'd Think be fun. I, let me know, man. I will bring down my projector happily. Katie mm-hmm. just used it for like a wedding. I was so happy because like I just like to get use out of the projector. Because <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like a super significant investment, but I don't use it that much, you know. Like that, it's yeah. it's nice like to get use out of it. So please let me know if I need to bring it down. We are running low on time, Sam. Two minutes. Give us the latest on the Whoa. recruiting <laughs> momentum. There's no way he's making this. Two minutes. I can do it. Recruiting momentum. What do we have going on in the latest? I saw woof. Very, very recently. So tell us about those wolves. Yeah, I mean, the momentum is, is a good segue with the linebacker, Christopher Mole, that Connor was just talking about as a transfer portal in. We got a wolf. Then we got two other wolves in the lot. La- We've got three wolves, three commitments. Three wolves in a week. And yeah, last like even shorter than that. Five days. Five yep. days. Uh, two high school. Wolfing it up. Or, I guess one high school commit, one JUCO commit. The edge, I don't even know how to say his name yet, so apologies in advance, but the edge, defensive lineman, Sakai, Afoa, Asao, I don't know. Better than I would have done. That was a, better, that was a good first attempt, I think, for sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's probably right, actually. I'm running low on time, guys. We got, I got to get going. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. Two minutes. <laughs> He's a local guy. He played at five with Ulumu, MJ Ale. He had to go the Juco route, and – Seemed, I mean, he had some competitive Pac-12 offers, and I know USC tried to be a snake in the grass while he was on his official visit over the weekend. USC called him and offered him a scholarship to see if they could get him to not Lincoln fucking Riley playing some snake games, but that didn't work, <laughs> and he committed to us. So I think that's somebody that probably, you know, may or may not plug into the rotation right away, but. He, I mean, he's physically ready, big guy, like 6'4", 6'5", 260, 270 pounds. So probably you're looking at your Jeremiah Martin replacement next year. Um, but really good to pick that, that type of athlete up. Anybody that, you know, is getting a USC offer or interest from USC, if we can get them on board, I think that's a good indicator. And then really the big momentum is – probably the biggest recruit that we've gotten a commitment from in a while, over a year. The only name that comes to mind is Jeremy Bernard, but of course he bailed, but we got four-star wide receiver out of California, Rashid Williams. He's a top 247 player in the country. That's 247 recruiting database. Um, Anytime you can get, you know, four-star wide receiver from Cali, that's big time. And I think the theme of our Husky talk here has been around this new generation of Husky offense is going to be pass heavy. It's going to be, you know, a you know wide receiver friendly, attractive offense. Having Shepard as our wide receivers coach is already paying dividends, getting someone like Rashid in the boat. So, you know, like so far, I like the other three guys that we have committed out of high school. Right. But they're not like big regional names. Like people know who Rashid Williams is, and the fact that he committed to UW kind of puts us back in the limelight of like, okay, UW might actually be a cool place to commit to again. 
And so hopefully that's just the first domino to fall. But more than anything, over the last five days, getting these three new guys in, it just feels like, you know, with the Jimmy Lake era, we kept talking about getting the ball rolling down the hill and it just never happened. Getting Rasheed Williams' commitment feels like the ball is starting to roll down the hill. We're picking up momentum. And I think it's just the start, get some dubs in the fall and, and the recruiting thing might take off. So big time pickup in Rasheed Williams, for sure. Really excited about it. I know that was over well, two, not a, but yeah, it was pretty, it was, pretty good. It was, that was pretty that was pretty succinct. That was like four minutes. The only thing that I'm gonna add though is that like we have some big visits coming up though too. <laughs> it was two minutes over, but let me add something, <laughs> yeah, something else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to, but like I this this is necessary. Like we need to talk about that, like there's some big visits coming up, you know, over the next month. Yeah, like that last weekend in June is massive. We have like three four star guys coming in and a bunch of other three star guys coming in. And there's more to come too. like more are probably going to schedule for that weekend because that's the weekend I think that they do their camp or whatever. So that's their big recruiting weekend. Um, so, I, I mean, we're we're likely to get at least a, like two, maybe even three commitments after that weekend even too. So before even the fall, I hope that we have four or five other guys in the boat. Um, and hopefully, you know, one or two of those guys are are more four star four star guys. Um and I, I know that they just hosted this last weekend a couple of four-star guys. One of them is an Oregon lean, but we've been known to also recruit Bishop Gorman pretty well. So hopefully DeCombra, you know, put some put some purple tinted glasses on and and comes comes a little bit further north. We have a major... right, I'm done. Okay, good. Finally. Good God. I, was, I wish I had a mute. <laughs> yeah, who's the host? I guess that's me. I can smash that mute button. Uh, no, but to wrap up the dogs updates here, uh, major announcement from PAC 12. And I think you're going to see this from other conferences. I think you, we've already seen some announcements from yeah. other conferences that we're changing the format of the PAC 12 championship. So no longer are we going to see the North division winner play the South division winner. And those meet, teams meet in well before Santa Clara, but now Las Vegas and they duke it out for the title. Now you're going to see whoever has the top top two best winning percentages in Pac-12 play will play in the national title. So if all projections are true, you're going to see this year Utah versus USC battle it out in Las Vegas because they would be the top two teams uh, in the Pac-12. What do you got? So I'll start with my take first and then go to you guys. So I think this is a necessary change, at least for the next four years of the Pac-12 of the college football playoff. If the Pac-12 has any chance to make the playoff, we need to be supporting our best teams and giving them the best competition possible. We've seen two SEC teams make it a lot of times or Notre Dame, and et cetera. And so to elevate, we need to increase their strength of schedule. And to do that is to give them higher quality opponents. And so I'm all for this change. What do you guys think? Yeah. I'm on board. I don't mind it. I think the fact that they are kind of in a rush to implement it. So it will be active this season, this season, I yeah. think will make the 2022 season kind of a goofy one because the schedule, you know, obviously the North plays the North, the South plays the South, and then you get like what two crossover games or no, four crossover games, four two crossover not, games, yeah. two not. So it could kind of, you know, 
the North has historically been better. So you could play like, is it fair to do it that way? If you're a Husky fan, you're pretty happy that it happens and you're like, okay, well, we're not playing USC or Utah this season. So yeah, that bodes well for the Huskies to have a better winning percentage in the conference than say Oregon or other teams that have to play USC or Utah or both. Um, I think I, I really like it. I would love to get back to, you know, I think we were kicking around the idea the scheduling needs to change. The, the, the divisions need to go away. Maybe you or go to three divisions. You have Pacific Northwest with the Oregon schools, Washington schools, the Cali division with the four California schools, and then the newbies with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, and then figure out some sort of scheduling. Like if you're going to do the winning percentage overall in the conference, you have to make sure you get your conference scheduling done and like a relatively fair way. Um, so I think that will catch up, but overall, I really like this. Um, and I, I think, you know, more often than not, there's been a really good North team that's gotten left out of the championship game, whether that's the Huskies or Stanford or Oregon. Um, so, I mean, you could look at a UW Oregon Pac-12 championship game. That's kind of exciting to me. That'd be pretty cool. That would be electric. That would be crazy. Yeah. Would, so I would like you, it. Would you fly down to Vegas for that event? I've never been to Vegas. I would go for that. For sure. Okay. We you would have it. fun in a sports book, dude. <laughs> if I don't know. I take Husky losses pretty hard already, let alone losing money. I might But if you won deep dark place if that happens. Well, what if you won? Uh, probably wouldn't remember it if I did. <laughs> See, it'd be a good night. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree on the scheduling change. I think you're going to get pods of two or three guaranteed games. So your idea makes a lot yeah. of sense. I, I think one guaranteed rival is going to be tough for certain teams in this conference, mainly UW Oregon, because they have a big rivalry that's not yeah. intrastate or that sort of thing. Um, and it's such a big draw for TV audiences. Yeah. So that'll be tough to get rid of. I so think it'll be. They'll figure game. it out. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Klyovkov seems to have a good head on his shoulders so far. Yeah. He's getting shit. Hunter, done. Do you like it? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's great for the conference, obviously, for all the points that you guys just made. Um, I would probably look at it from a different lens as far as UW's um, chances, like, especially just looking forward. If you're talking historically, especially since it's been the Pac-12, yes, North has been better. But there seems to be a changing tide, especially with, I mean, Utah has definitely taken some crazy yeah. steps over the last few years. And Kyle Winningham's got a pretty good thing going down there. Um, they were, you know, playoff contenders even just a year ago. So they're a really good program. They're still getting really good recruits as well. Um, USC is obviously immediately re relevant with transfer portal and Lincoln Riley in town. So, I mean, they obviously have Kayla Williams now at quarterback too. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, I think their, their offense is obviously going to be pretty fucking legit, but I don't know what their defense is going to look like. Um, but no matter what, they're going to be, a, they're going to be a relevant team. And then even Jed fish down in Arizona, man. I mean, he is, he is making some strides to be good in you know, the next year or two, I don't know if they're going to really, they might be a bowl team this year. I don't think they're going to like challenge or anything like that for, for a championship this year, but 
they're they're a couple years away, I think, from from getting in that conversation. So there's some good teams coming out of the South is all I'm going to say. And it, it does mean more competition for UW to stack up against going forward. So um, if I'm looking at it through that lens, obviously like for UW's chances, it's probably not the greatest thing. I'm not the biggest Oregon believer. Like that's just me. I just, I don't believe in their staff. Like they have, they have really, really talented players, but like, I don't, I think that's, that's, that is UW two years ago. Like as far as like that staff. Yeah, I think they're gonna be. I don't think that they're, they're in for one. They're in for one. Like you just wait, Oregon fans. Um, so I, that's where I'm at with things. Like, and I don't think anyone else in the North. Like, I mean, Stanford is sometimes relevant, but they haven't been that great over the last few years. Yeah. So it, I, I think, I think the strength of the conference is actually starting to lean towards the South and that doesn't favor UW, but I think it's a great thing for the conference. And it, I mean, it makes it back to like what we grew up with, you know, that it's, it's eventually going to be divisionless and it's going to be all for all and they'll schedule out the rivalries and all that kinds of stuff. Like you guys were saying. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. All right, so that's basically covers our agenda today. Sam, Connor, anything that you want to leave our listeners with before we close out the show? I know we teased it a little bit, but we're running low on time. If you haven't, you know, been living under a rock today, go figure out what Jimbo and Nick Saban, the, they duked it out today in the media. <laughs> it's not going to be the last time either. Listen, listen to Jimbo, Jimbo's uh, press conference from earlier this morning. NIL, SEC drama, mm. snitches, snitches get stitches. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> both. Uh, at the end of the day, they're both kind of right, and they're both liars at the same time. I think it's yeah. the conclusion here. It's a mess. And Man. players are getting paid. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're both <laughs> lying out of their assholes on both on both fronts, Texas and, yeah, and Alabama. Both, by the way, Nick, they're both lying out of their assholes. <laughs> yeah. I hope they're. I hope that they just like House of Cards comes tumbling down, and that like Jimbo lit it on fire because like the SEC has been playing dirtier than anybody else mm-hmm. for the last fifteen years, and like if pissing off Jimbo Fisher was the one thing that was going to like even the playing field across the country. I <laughs> love it. Anyways, we don't need to go. We, we probably should do a, an episode on all things NIL at some point in time, maybe after the yeah. June visits, we can dive in, do like a recruiting episode. Yeah. It'd be a good but, summer one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely give it a listen. I listened to all 19 minutes this morning. And <laughs> fucking hilarious, <laughs> Dude. And circle October 8th, 2022. Yeah. Texas A&M at Alabama. Oh man! After after this entire off season of trash talking back and forth, how many bottles are going to get thrown at Jimbo Fisher? A lot. Because we saw By what Nick game Saban? was it? Uh, no, the fans. What game was it? I think it was Ole Miss at Tennessee, right? The Tennessee know. fans were throwing all sorts of shit on the field oh, at know. Lane Kiffin. But I believe you. Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would make sense. Lane Kiffin bombed out at Tennessee. How does Texas A&M schedule stop, stack up before the Alabama game? They play Sam Houston State, Appalachian State, 
Miami, Mario Cristobal. It's a pretty led. early conference game. They're both right. they're both going to be undefeated probably. Arkansas they play Arkansas at home and they go to Mississippi State. They could have a loss, but it'll mean something for sure. So it's going to probably be two. They'll both teams. be top 25 teams. Yeah. So, I mean sure. they'll be top 15 teams probably. Uh <laughs> Game day. Yeah, that's for sure game day. And like I'm not sure if the coaches are going to make it to the sideline. I've just never heard coaches talk about each other the way that they did in the last 24 hours directly like it's personal yeah it was personal yeah exactly jimbo was fucking pissed oh my god wouldn't even take a shame that we have it's it's a shame that we have to talk about 17 year olds families like this i'm like yeah they're wiping their tears with their fucking like benjamins dude like chill out they're fine oh he called he called me apparently since we're done this afternoon, Nick Saban has apologized for calling out Texas A&M and Jackson, Jackson. State uh, specifically, but and says it's a wider problem. But the damage has been done. Yeah. Epic. Start talking about Dan Lanning. Dan <laughs> Lanning. God, that it, I saw this tweet today. Um, I think it was from who was it from? Christian Capel. Uh, that it made the. Oregon UW feud last year seemed like small peanuts. It did. Oh yeah. Academic yeah. prowess all the time <laughs> and trash talk. Yeah. Two two essentially irrelevant teams to to the wider broadband yeah. market of college football. Yeah, we're at up this here point in time. The weirdo hippies up here in the Northwest. Yeah, we don't we don't really granola ass. Yeah. Yeah. Pacific Northwest. Hey, we punch our players up here. You better watch out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to end it on that. Thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate the support, subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Sounders, go Hawks and go Dawgs.